0: All right, if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to open it up to the New Testament book of Galatians in chapter 3. just want to start with a quick survey, raise of hands. How many of you have ever done something stupid? Okay, I feel better now. That's, I was sort of anticipating that response, but you never know. Just a quick story from my own personal experience. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, back when it was legal to burn piles of yard debris, I had a pile of yard debris I wanted to burn, and it was a damp day, you know, that happens around here uh, periodically. So to help get it going, I wanted to, you know, give it some help. I was going to use some, uh, hey, don't, don't rush. <laughs> I wanted to give it some help, so I was going to use some charcoal lighter, you know, the stuff you use on a barbecue, and it uh, turns out we didn't have any. Turns out we did have a can of Coleman fuel. Um, (laughs) uh, Some of you may not know what Coleman fuel is. Maybe they don't even sell it. I don't know. Uh, Which, if they don't, that's probably a good thing. Um, (laughs) It's got warnings all over the can, giant warnings, saying basically don't use this stuff, (laughs) except as directed in a Coleman lantern or stove. Well, I paid absolutely no attention to those warnings. (laughs) Wound up with a very nice first-degree burn on my face, uh, singed eyebrows, singed eyelashes, singed the front of my hair. Um, That was on a Saturday, so I had to come on Sunday here and uh, (laughs) retell that story many times. Uh, You're enjoying this way too much. That was really stupid, really stupid, Uh, but I think you could probably relate, maybe not to that degree, but we've all done stupid things. We we come in our journey through Galatians to chapter 3, where Paul basically tells the Galatians, you're being stupid, and we want to see what we can learn from that, okay? So Galatians 3. Uh, Be in verse one. O foolish Galatians, or you could substitute stupid, senseless. Pick your term. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. (laughs) So Paul, the apostle, is not one of those people who leaves you wondering what he really thinks. If you, you know, maybe you've had conversations with people like that, you walk away going, wow, I wonder what they really think. Uh, That's not Paul. If you're doing something he thinks is stupid, either because it's going to hurt you, or it's going to hurt other people, or it's going to bring dishonor to the name of Christ, in all likelihood, he will tell you so. Um, The thing I find so interesting here is is to think about, to realize who these people are that Paul is describing as foolish, as stupid. These are people who have received God's Spirit. You see that in verse 2. Which means that these are people who have responded to the gospel, the good news of Jesus, by faith, with, with faith. They're believers. We see that in verse 2 also. Which means, these are people who have been declared righteous, right with God. Uh, because we know, we've seen it, that that happens When we put our faith in Jesus, we saw this back in chapter 2, verse 16. We know that a person is not justified, made right with God by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And these are people who have been experiencing God doing miraculous works in their lives. We see that in verse 5. Okay, so put it all together. Think about what this means. You can be a believer in Jesus, be right with God, be regarded by him as fully acceptable, fully righteous because you're united to Jesus and his righteousness by faith, indwelt by his spirit. You can can experience him doing amazing things in your life All of that can be true, and you can still be stupid. Or more diplomatically, I said it this way, you can still, you can be a Christian and still be wrong about really important things. Really important things. When you should know better. That's an important addition. You can be a Christian and still be wrong about very important things when you should know better. That's... That's why Paul calls these people foolish. It's not just that they're wrong about some things. It's because it's not foolish to be wrong about something you couldn't possibly know about. You know, we don't call first graders foolish because they don't know how to do algebra yet. Well, they haven't learned it yet. That's not being stupid. That's just being uninformed. But when you could know... And you really should know, but you don't, because you've either been too lazy, or too careless, or too sloppy to get it right. That's stupid. And that was the problem in these Galatian churches. They were letting themselves get confused about things they should have been clear on. And we've seen this from the very beginning of the book. You go back to the very first book, uh, very first verse in this book, and Paul says this: "I'm astonished. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you." Actually, actually, verse six: uh, "I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one." But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. They're getting confused about the main thing. The main thing, the message, the central issue in being a Christian, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I mean, if a Christian ought to be clear on anything, it's what the gospel is. How how does a person become right with God? How do we go from being spiritually dead, separated from God because of our sin? How do we go from that condition to becoming spiritually alive to Him in, in living relationship with Him? I mean, that's absolutely foundational. And that's why Paul wrote this letter in the first place. He just can't believe that these people to whom he came and 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 explained the gospel. He he told them. He taught them. And now they're acting like they don't get it. They don't get it. And Paul's like, really? Seriously? You guys are confused about the gospel? What are you thinking? And they were confused about some other basic issues as well, apparently. Like, How does a person become indwelt by God's Spirit? How does a person grow to spiritual maturity? I mean, these are questions they should have known the answers to. Now, if you're here and you're not sure how you would answer those questions, well, that's completely legitimate. You know, if you've if you've only been a Christian a short time, you haven't really been taught about these things, or you know maybe you're here and you're still checking out this Christianity thing. But if you put your faith in Jesus you know a long time ago, these are things you really should know. And if you don't know them, then you need to make the effort to learn. See, it's not foolish to be ignorant What's foolish is to be ignorant when you should know better, but you don't do anything about it. As if it's it's not a problem. But see, it is a problem. The reason it's a problem is because foolish thinking inevitably leads to foolish living. We live based on what we believe. And so if our beliefs, if if our thinking is foolish, We're going to live foolishly. Now, we're going to see more of this in weeks to come. But just for a second, look at chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says to these Galatians, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Listen to those words. Jesus came to give you freedom that you might live in freedom. Don't go back into slavery. Freedom, slavery. Those are, those are serious words. What was happening? Their foolish thinking about the gospel was leading them away from a life of freedom the way Jesus wanted them to live, And it was leading them into a life of slavery where they're all preoccupied with rituals and ceremonies and rule keeping as if that would somehow earn them greater approval with God, as if they didn't already have full approval. In Jesus. We, we have to get this. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, you've got to get this, okay? When you don't think that you have God's full approval, when you don't think you already have it because of Jesus and what he's done for you and your connection with him, so that you think you somehow have to earn it by your performance, you will not live in the freedom, you will not have the joy, you will not have the peace that Jesus died to give you. You're not going to obey Him with a sense of gratitude, with a sense of confidence that He has your best interests at heart always. You're just going to be, you know, jumping through the hoops, these hoops that you think are what the Christian life is all about, jump through hoop after hoop, trying to earn His blessing, trying to keep Him pleased with you, hoping you don't mess up too badly. Or even worse, even worse, you'll come to the conclusion that, you know, this this trying to please God thing, It's more trouble than it's worth. It's just too hard. And you'll think, I'd be better off doing it my own way. And that's going to lead you to all kinds of foolish choices. This is huge. If you don't think you already have God's full approval in Jesus, it'll lead you down a path of slavery. Now, before we move on, it would probably be good if I took a minute to briefly answer those three questions I raised, uh, in case you haven't heard these answers. So, first, how does a person get right with God? Answer, by becoming united to Jesus by faith. Putting our trust in Him and His death and resurrection as the all sufficient remedy for our sin, for ours to, to overcome our separation from God. So putting our trust in Christ and his death and resurrection as the all sufficient remedy that God has provided for our sin that we might know him and be right with him. Okay, this is the truth we call justification by faith and not by law, by rule-keeping, by our performance. So back in chapter 2, verse 16, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, by their efforts, by their merits, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you missed that message, we went through that back on October 22nd, you can go online, you can listen to any of the messages that that we do here, Um, go to philida.org and you can listen to any of them. So, second question. How does a person become indwelt by God's Spirit? Answer, the same way we become justified, by putting our faith in Jesus. Being justified by God and receiving the Spirit of God happen at the same time and in the same way. Verse 2. We just read this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the answer is by hearing with faith. And that's exactly how we get justified. You know, he gives us an example in verse 6 Just as Abraham believed God, there's faith, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's justification. So, we receive the Spirit when God justifies us by faith in Jesus. Romans 8, 9 is even more explicit. Look at it. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, notice how Spirit of Christ and Spirit of God are the same Spirit. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So there's no such thing as a real Christian who does not have God's Spirit in their lives. Third question, how does a person grow towards spiritual maturity? Answer, by living by faith in Jesus. Day by day, moment by moment, trusting Him to lead you. Obeying his directions. Asking him. Relying on him. Asking him for help. Submitting to his spirit. We started talking about this just a couple of weeks ago. Chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, The life I now live in the flesh, in the body, I live how? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how to live. That's how to grow. We'll explore this more in weeks to come, especially when we get to chapters 5 and 6. Did anybody happen to notice what all three answers have in common? Did Did we see the common denominator here? Because this is the big truth that the Galatians were getting confused about. Being a Christian is all about what? Faith in Jesus from beginning to end. But the Galatians were starting to think the Christian life is all about something else. It's all about their performance, their keeping of the law, their ability to obtain God's approval and keep His approval Or get more of his approval by their efforts, by their merits, by their achievements. And that's just, let's all say it together, stupid. (laughs) But we've all been stupid. So how do we keep from following their example? How do we keep from becoming like them? Clearly, I mean, it seems obvious to me that one of the reasons this passage is in our Bibles (laughs) is so that we will learn from their example and not be that way. Um, I don't know about you, but I really don't want the Lord or one of His messengers saying to me, Oh, foolish one. Not what I want to hear. So, how do we learn from their mistake? Or to put it, to ask it another way, how do you avoid being a stupid Christian? I really tried to think of a more diplomatic way to state that, and I just said, forget it, I'm going with it. It's clear, right? How do you avoid being a stupid Christian? I see two answers to this question here in Galatians. Number one, evaluate all of your thinking by God's truth. Evaluate all of your thinking by God's truth. Why were the Galatians getting confused? Because they were ignoring or forgetting what they had been taught by an apostle who got his teaching directly from Jesus himself. Go back to the very first verse of the book. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Paul and his fellow apostles were handpicked by Jesus personally. He chose them to proclaim his truth. Chapter 1, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. This is not of human origin for I did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. See that's that's what these guys are claiming. And if they're true if they're telling the truth if they're right this is this is so crucial. See what Paul is doing here this apostle what he's doing is he's correcting he's correcting his readers thinking with truth, with God's truth. And the great thing about this is he's not just doing it for them, he's doing it for us. Because God had him write it down. This is, this is what Scripture is all about. This is why this church is Phyllida Bible Church. This is why we open our Bibles every week. And hopefully throughout the week. God used human authors to reveal to us His truth in writing. That's what Scripture is all about. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture, all of these writings, breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This is big. Now, if you want to explore further why we believe the Bible really is God's message written down for our good, then I would refer you to the series we did back in January of this year, January 2017, called Bible Basics. You can find those messages on the website. So if that's an issue that you know, you're you not really uh, sure about or you haven't come to resolution on or whatever, that can be a good good step for you all right well because we believe that scripture is ultimately through these human authors ultimately is truth from god here's a radical conclusion we should know it we should learn it we need to know it now i understand that's exactly what you would expect me to say That's exactly what you would expect to hear at Philida Bible Church. Of course we're going to say that. And some of you might be thinking, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah, we should read our Bibles. We should study our Bibles. We should memorize the Bible. Okay, but why? Why? Look what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. Because it's profitable. Not financially, necessarily, that's not the point, beneficial, because it's good for you. It's good for you. So you can, now look what it said, all scriptures breathed out by God is profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training righteousness, for teaching. That's so you can know what the truth is. That's teaching. It's so you can discover when you're wrong. That's reproof. It's so that you can understand how to get back on the right track when you're wrong. That's correction. And it's so that you can live wisely, happily, joyful. That's training in righteousness. Scripture is the lens that we need in order to see life clearly. To see everything. Clear. Have you ever wondered why you can have two people who look at the, ex- the same thing, same situation, same facts, same information. They can look at the same thing and come to two completely different conclusions. You ever wonder why that happened? I mean, lots of examples. But you, you, know, you could have one person who looks out at, at the natural world and concludes... Wow, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that there is a supernatural, powerful, wise creator who made all this. And somebody else can look at the exact same thing and say, man, it is so obvious that all of this came into existence through undirected natural processes. There is no God. And, and each one of these people will look at the other person and say, hey, you're stupid. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, it happens for a lot of reasons, but here's probably the main reason. They're looking at the same thing, but they're looking through two different sets of glasses with different world views. Okay, we, because we all have these. We all have these basic beliefs about life, you know, how life works, what life is, why we're here, What our purpose is, if we have one, what makes life worth living? That's your worldview. Those are your glasses that you wear. Now, if God is real, and if Scripture, if He has actually spoken to us in Scripture and revealed to us truth that we could never discover on our own, because you can't run an experiment to figure out what the purpose of life is. If he's given us truths, then we need to know those truths to have the correct set of glasses, the right worldview, so we can actually look and understand correctly life. And to use a different worldview, because you're going to use a worldview. The only question is whether it matches what God's worldview is. To use a different worldview is like getting, you know, have you ever had like sunglasses that were like pink or yellow? And it's amazing. You look at everything and everything's yellow or everything's pink. You have some weird colored sunglasses or, you know, your, uh, your glasses are the wrong prescription or they're out of date and everything's fuzzy. And that's going to distort what you see, and it's going to lead you to incorrect conclusions, which will then lead you to stupid decisions. Now, this was happening in at least two ways with the Galatians. There was at least two ways in which they were failing to use the right glasses. That is, they were failing to evaluate their thinking by God's truth. First of all, they were misinterpreting their experiences, They were having experiences, and they were misinterpreting them because they were looking through the wrong glasses. Uh, Notice how Paul talks to them about how they receive the Spirit and how God's working miracles, doing these amazing things among them. And Paul says, "Now let me let me tell you why that's happening. Let me tell you how these things happen. It's not because you kept the law. It's not because you got it right in terms of your performance." He says, no, these things have happened. You have received the Spirit and God is working in your midst because you responded to Jesus with faith. So Paul, look what he's doing. He's taking the biblical truth of the gospel and he is using it to explain their experience so they can understand their experience correctly. Hey, Experiences do not interpret themselves You've got to measure what you're experiencing in light of God's truth. I'll say more about that in a second. The other way, the other way they were failing to evaluate their thinking by God's truth is they were uncritically accepting new teaching. They were just hearing new stuff and going, "Yeah, they weren't, they weren't being discerning. They weren't being careful with new teaching. See, they'd been taught the gospel. They'd been taught the gospel that God now gives us full approval through faith in Jesus alone. Okay? And then along come some guys who say, oh, no, 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 no. To be fully approved by God, if you want his full approval, then you've got to keep all the rules, all the regulations that God gave to Israel through Moses. Moses. And they said, huh, okay, sounds good, let's do that. And Paul says, what? What? I love what he says, who bewitched you? Somebody must have cast a spell on you. Because you are falling for it, and it's clear you're not holding on to the truth. So what they failed to do is they failed to evaluate this teaching in light of the truth that God had already given to them through Jesus and his apostles. This stuff happens all the time. People have an experience, and they try to interpret the Bible in light of their experience. They say, well, this experience happened... So therefore, when the Bible says this or this and this, it doesn't really mean that. It's got to mean something else, so it jives with my experience. This is how people end up in relationships that they should never have gotten into, because the experience seemed good, and they didn't check Jesus' instructions. Or, people will hear a new teaching, and... It sounds good, and then they don't compare it carefully to what the Bible teaches. And this is how people get caught up in cults. Most people who get caught up in cults have what I call a nominal Christian background. They've gotten just enough Christianity to be inoculated against catching the real thing. And so they hear some interesting new teaching And they don't do the hard work of comparing it to what the Bible actually teaches. I'm just going to be blunt here, okay? Which you'd expect in a sermon entitled, Don't Be Stupid. (laughs) I'll include myself. When we really screw up as Christians, when we really fail in some big way, The reason is usually fairly straightforward. We either did not know what the Bible taught about that issue, or we didn't care, and we decided we knew better. That's how we screw up. I really can't overstate this. If you want to live the life that God wants you to live, If you want to avoid the kind of confusion that marked the Galatians, if you want to make good decisions and not stupid ones, there are just no shortcuts. You have got to learn what the Bible teaches about life, about all these issues. So, one more lesson, how not to be a stupid Christian keep focused on Jesus and his merits, not on you and on yours. Keep focused on Jesus and his merits, not on you and your merits. So Paul asks, who has bewitched you? And the very next thing he says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now there's a connection here. And the connection is this. Their thinking got messed up Because they lost sight of Jesus and his cross and what that meant. Now Paul had explained to them, Paul had explained to them what the cross meant, what the significance of the cross was. He told them why Jesus was crucified, how he died in our place to take upon himself our sins so that we could take his righteousness And we could be right with God based on His righteousness, not based on ours. They had learned this, but somehow they took their eyes off of Jesus and what He did, and now they're looking at themselves and what they can do. And that's so easy to do. We do it all the time. And when we do it, that path basically leads in one of two really unhealthy directions. One pathway is the pathway of pride. The other pathway is the pathway of despair. When you get your eyes off Jesus and put them on yourself, it leads to pride or despair. Pride, if you think you're doing a pretty great job. Yeah, I got it. I'm keeping the rules. I'm pleasing God. I'm nailing this Christian thing. And I'm way smarter than other people. That's pride. The other path is despair. That's if you keep failing all the time. You keep messing up and your failures just start to overwhelm you, and you just have this overwhelming sense of what a total loser you are. That's what self-focus always does. It leads to pride, or it leads to despair. How do you avoid those two pathways? Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes on Jesus and what he's accomplished on the cross for you. Get your focus off yourself, get them on Jesus, your focus on Jesus, on his merits, his glory, his accomplishments, his promises, his sufficiency. And his, his promise to do whatever it takes in your life that you might experience eternal joy. Hebrews 12, 1. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the author is comparing life to a marathon. This long, grueling race. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking to or fixing your eyes on Jesus. The founder, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. So the way to win the race of life is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the goal. Knowing He's going to perfect your faith as you focus on Him. So whenever your gaze slips off of Jesus and gets on you, which we, that happens all the time, and you find yourself you know, either patting yourself on the back or criticizing yourself for being such a loser, Realize what's happened. Get your focus off you. Get it back on Jesus. Get it where it belongs. On the one who loved you, loves you, and gave himself for you. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Let's, let's bow for prayer. And just as you're uh, thinking about this, the, just two questions to ask. Are you are you measuring, are you evaluating your thinking about stuff in light of the truth God has given us? And are you keeping your gaze, your focus on Jesus? And if not, then today is a great day to say, okay, I need, to, I need some adjustment here. I need to start thinking more biblically. I need to learn more what the Bible teaches. I need to take that seriously. I need to do the hard work of learning. I need to ask questions. I need to get with people who can help me. Get what God has taught us in His Word. i got to get the teaching right. And then... I just need to live day by day with my faith in Jesus, my focus on him and not on me. So I'm just going to invite you right now to take a minute and let's pray. Let's ask God to help us with this. Father, you are so gracious to have given us your truth. Uh, Lord, you've given us the set of glasses that we need to see all of life clearly. Uh, Help us put those glasses on. Help us measure all of our thinking by your truth. And Lord, thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and that in Jesus we see your truth brought to life, revealed in a person. And I, I would just pray if there's anybody here who has yet to say yes to Jesus, that today would be the day that they do that. Or at least they would take the step of finding out more, asking questions, and asking you to show them the way. Lord, we we just come to you and say, uh, help us with this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.